severely messed Artists like their boots are torn to shreds The government will spoil your hopes and dreams By offering a useless retreat and scheme There's such amazing talent, why can't you see That the government has decimated the industry And now the years of hard work have been thrown away Just get a real job. Hello, I'm Jamie McKinley and welcome to episode 117 of Just Get A Real Job. Hope you're all well. Thank you for listening as always. If you're a new listener, welcome to the podcast. We have another brilliant episode in store for you this week and it's a little bit different because we're putting out this week's episode in two parts and this is the first part of our live special at the HB Film Festival with the brilliant Sarah Grant, Sonia Bleachka and Ashley Dick who were an amazing panel to have on. It was lovely to do this in front of a live audience. Thank you to everyone that came down on the day. We thought we'd just condense the best of this and put it out in two parts. As is very often the case with this podcast, you'll have a conversation and you could easily go on a lot longer but then you sort of run out of time. Especially when you do a live podcast, you know, you have a certain time limit for how long you have the room, etc. So, so I could have very easily chatted to all three of these brilliant creatives for a lot longer but it's a really nice conversation I thought it'd be nice to put it in two parts as well so you can enjoy it for a little bit longer the next part of this will be out next week and I also wanted to say a massive thank you to everyone that came along to see this podcast live thank you to Gary who we had on the podcast a couple of weeks ago in episode 109 I think it was and everyone involved at the HB Film Festival for having us and for organising such a, an amazing weekend of films it was lovely to catch some other films and to watch some shorts it's really important for the Scottish and the UK industry to have independent festivals like this that celebrate up and coming and a wide range of talent from various different voices and parts of the UK and abroad. It's, it was really amazing to see. So an amazing job from the festival and we'll definitely be going back next year, hopefully. And who knows, we might even get to do another live podcast, fingers crossed. But this is a, an amazing conversation. In the first part, we covered Sarah, Ashley and Sonia's earliest influences, how where they're from has influenced them and their work and their careers, etc. We talked about a bit of identity, particularly Scottish identity and Sonia's originally from Germany as well so it's really interesting to hear about growing up in Germany and how that's influenced her work. Just to actually should probably recap as well, Sarah is a filmmaker, an author, a writer, among many other things. She's done a lot of amazing work. Sonia is a stills photographer and a photographer. She's done a lot of work in that area. We have never had a stills or a photographer on the podcast before so it's really interesting to get an insight from that. Ashley is an animator, an editor and a filmmaker so again quite a diverse range of stuff there. We'd never had an animator on the podcast so it was really interesting to get a good flavour of different voices from the creative industries and they've been doing some amazing things recently so it was lovely to have them on. A really interesting first part. Stay tuned for part two next week as well and as always if you're enjoying this podcast be sure to share it on social media, tell friends and family to listen. If you're listening on Spotify there's now a follow option and you can leave a review there. Please leave a nice one if you want. You five stars, you don't have to write it if and it all goes a long way in helping us grow. We're obviously an independent podcast. Yeah, just spread the word as always. Yeah, I hope you enjoy episode 117, live from the HB Film Festival, part one. Enjoy. Thank you everyone for coming to this uh, live podcast of Just Get a Real Job at the HB Film Festival. Thank you all. Hope you enjoyed the rest of the festival and have enjoyed it so far. We have some uh, great guests with us today. We, we're joined by Ash, Sonia and Sarah. Thank you all for, for coming along today. It's lovely to Thank chat you. to you. Thank you for having us. 
Yeah, it's a bit nice and early on a Sunday as yeah, well. So yeah. and I thank you everyone coming out as well. I know the weather and stuff's been terrible this weekend with trains and things, so we appreciate it. But I thought we'd kick off by just sort of asking about because I know two of you have got films on at the festival. I know Sonia, you've been doing the, like the stills at the festival. So how's the festival been for you guys so far? Uh, we can just start and I don't know whatever. Yeah, Sarah, you can go first if you want. We'll work our way up the line. I'll, okay, I'll start. Um, yeah, it's been really great. Uh, my film Candy was playing. Uh, yesterday and um, I've been coming to I missed last year's HB but I've been coming since the, it started like five years ago and it's just such a friendly festival and um, my favorite thing about this festival is that doesn't matter how immersed I think I am in the Scottish industry I'll always come and I'll see at least one film that I absolutely adore by someone that I've never met before and then I get to meet them talk to them go for a coffee after the festival it just it's really good at um, it's really good at sponsoring the kind of hometown crowd and I always yeah. feel really good about where I do my work here. So it's really it's really nice to be back. Um, Candy's been on the circuit for about a year now. Um, so uh, it's still getting these little uh, pops of life, but it is always really special when I get to show it mm. in kind of hometown turf. So it's been it's been lovely. It's been very nice. Sad that it's over today. <laughs> still plenty of time to go though. Um, yeah. <laughs> Sonia, how have you found yeah. sort of being at the festival, taking pictures and sort of being around? I'm sure you'd seen quite a lot of it from doing that. Oh yeah, and, and I, I love that I get to see all the films and then um, officially I'm here at work, but it never feels like mm. it. It's, um, I see so many people that I've worked with before, it's catching up with friends, it's great for networking and yeah, yeah. It's, it's just lots of fun. Have you, I mean I'm putting you on the spot, but has there been like a sort of standout for you so far this weekend, like a film you'd seen that you've particularly loved? It has to be Candy. <laughs> <laughs> I was just saying that and I'm just not saying that, that because you're right to me, I know, but... <laughs> It's like, it's just mm. a film where I smiled all the way through and, and um, it's such a, such a valid and important film these days mm. uh, and, and women standing up for each other and helping each other out. So, um, yeah, Great. and it's made really Thank you. lovely. It's, it's, it's <laughs> yeah, very lighthearted in the yeah. way it deals um, with the theme. Amazing. And Ash, you have your film's on this afternoon, isn't it? The it cut. is. It's showing yeah. today. Are you nervous? Are you excited? The like? cut? Oh, I'm absolutely nervous. <laughs> 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 because it's a very self-confessional animation that I made. Mm. And um, I decided to animate myself. And so it's going to be really interesting to watch that on the big screen with a whole group of people yeah. and, and allow them into my little inner world that I created. But it really lit me up to see that... Uh, they selected my film to go on the programme, mm. as in, like, there's only three little pictures on there, and one of them is of my film, and I was like, yay! <laughs> my sad face is <laughs> in the lovely. corner of this programme, so that really lifted my spirits on Thursday when I saw it, so yeah. that gave me a little bit of excitement. No, I'm excited <laughs> to see it later, it'd be nice yeah. to sort of watch some more films and stuff, and obviously the, another small world is you did the animation for a documentary I was in, because we'd never met before, which is such a small world in Scotland. <laughs> Because um, when you emailed me, I saw your picture and I was like, I know him, <laughs> but he yeah. doesn't know I know him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right, a very important documentary about like neurodivergence yeah. and TV and stuff, and the animation looked great. So, yeah, Thank I love you. it on the podcast when little small connections like this happen. It's all you know. It's like that in the Scottish film industries. I'm sure we'll Absolutely. get into more yeah. as we go on today. Um, I thought I'd kickstart things by sort of talking about our earliest creative memories. So. Obviously, you guys have all worked in the industry in various ways for a bit of time now, um, some longer than others, etc. But do you remember your sort of earliest creative memories? Do you want to go first, Ash, and we'll work back? We'll, we'll sure. go back down the line. <laughs> so I always remember um, drawing a lot when I was younger, and I told my parents that I wanted to be an artist. And as you can imagine, they were quite 
yeah. worried for me <laughs> because there's uh, in Scotland not a thriving uh, there's not a clear path to becoming an artist and mm. so they were a little bit like oh but I do remember that when I was in primary one at school they asked us to draw uh, a person buttoning up their coat yeah. Just from your imagination, there was no <laughs> reference or anything like that. And straight away, I was like, I've got the brief, and I drew it. And yeah. everybody was really surprised at how I, how well I had created that image. Mm -hmm. And um, they printed it on the newsletter uh, that year uh, for like the school bulletin. And my, I remember my grandparents had it on their wall for years. I was <gasps> obviously humiliated by the time I was a teenager and was like, please take that down. <laughs> but now that I think about it, I think it was a really early sign that like, I had imagination and if yeah. somebody asked me something I was able to conceive it and then put it out into the world and so that for me is one of the first times I think I, re I recognized that I had a creative spark and so yeah. I, I don't know if anybody still has the pamphlet I may have been <laughs> in a rage but yeah. at least it lives on in my memory and when did you sort of realize that you could combine animation with like other like filmmaking and other sort of forms of creative? honestly not until quite later on okay. so i decided as a teenager that i wanted to go into filmmaking went and studied and focused very much on live action i did mm. documentary for years and a little bit of fiction here and there and it wasn't until the pandemic that i had the free time in lockdown mm. to learn a new skill and like everybody else was like super bored and just not sure what to do with them and thought I've always really admired animation. I mm. wonder if I could give it a bash. And I made my first short animation and uh, it was really successful. It went on to festivals and people really responded to it. And I was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> this could work out for me. And from that point on, started to get commissioned, yeah. do things like working differently. And again, uh, like with the cut, I made that this year. That was something that kind of came to me as an idea. And I think the lovely thing about animation is that you can create things that you can't film. Mm. So if I think of something and I'm like, oh, it's not possible for me to go out and shoot it, but I can animate it, then that sort of fuels the yeah. creative process and, and how it all falls into place. Oh, that's great. That's a that's really nice little, little story, especially sort of doing something a lot. It's definitely more original than starting a podcast in lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> a bit more... Uh, no, this is really... also important. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, well, we'll get into sort of like how you broke into the sort of parts of the industry you worked in as we go on. But Sonia, do you remember your sort of earliest creative memories? And this will be very interesting. So sort of you growing up in Germany and stuff as well. Yes, so... Um... Art was as a as a career was never never really on my mind till much 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 later, um, and my, my dad is an engineer and I love him dearly and even mm. when I moved to Scotland I said I'm going to be a photographer full time um, and he still says like what about a real job yeah, <laughs> and there we go so, as yeah, is, yeah. I'm going full circle here already but um, no I was always I think very visual and um, like I said drawing early and the earliest memory I really have was having to design a, a, a advent calendar and it mm. was for one of the local banks and they would print it then. I think yeah. I got second, but it's, yeah, I always liked looking at things. And photography-wise, my parents travelled a lot with us within Europe mm. and um, I still, I just got back my very first camera, which is a Minolta 35mm. Oh. Oh. So when we travelled, I always took photos and, and more travel photos yeah. and I still have prints that I took when I was 15 and... People always say, why did you do, not do something with it? But I was like, what, just take pictures and make money with that? And it's, it's, I have a completely different, I diverted yeah. a lot until I got yeah. where I am now, but yeah. No, that's, inc that's incredible as well. I mean, it's interesting that you, sometimes you do things when you're younger, but you don't think that, you just don't think about it that's ever going to be a viable 
career because especially in an industry like this where people are sort of like well, it's not really you can't really make a living from it yeah. and as you say like the get a real job attitude very much comes into it so yeah. and I'm excited to sort of talk about in our next question about growing up in Germany and stuff more yeah. but Sarah do you remember your earliest creative memory? Um, okay. I think I was just like I come from like a very kind of working class family so again it wasn't it was just a case of like no one ever imagined that art could be a career so it just wasn't something mm. that was on my radar but they should have seen it coming a mile off like the, the way that I was described by my entire family was arty farty it was always <laughs> I was the arty farty one from like a tiny tiny age and but at the same time I never really gave it any credit um mm. so I don't really remember I mean I've got so many creative memories um I remember at one point, and it's very funny because there's an element of like, I think my mum and dad encourages, encouraged me accidentally, but mainly just to keep me out from underfoot. We used to go um, on, we didn't go on like many holidays, but a couple of times we'd go away to like, you know, caravan parks. And a couple of times we went on holiday with um, good friends of theirs hmm. um, who were a little bit older. So they had one grown up kid and they just, they were done with kids. So the fact that they had to go away with their friends and their friends had kids, they hated us. <laughs> like, they just, like, they were just, they had no time for us. They thought we were the brats. We, like, honestly, as adults now, we're like, you know, your friends are dicks. So they were so, like, but, however, the guy, um, the, the guy worked for Polaroid. So mm. whenever we'd go away on holiday, he'd bring two Polaroid cameras and about 20 stocks, of, like, 20 reels of film for me and my sister, and then just went you're going to have a competition, take as many photos, I'll judge it by the end sort of thing. Amazing. So while they got to go and drink, I was fostering a love of like Amazing. art and I was like, this is your fault. <laughs> um, so yeah, I don't really, I have so many memories uh, like that. So I don't really remember my first creative memory, although it definitely was an epiphany when I was a teenager that I wanted to go into film. And I think I've been very lucky because I think loads of people mm. really struggle to figure out there's such a big important question of what do you want to do with your life and you have to make that decision so young because you have to do like whatever it is like you know yeah. you do your standard grades that lead to your hires that lead to your university course that lead to your job so you have to like decide so early but I've been really lucky that when I was a teenager I knew I wanted to go into film and it has never left it has always yeah. been I've been very lucky that way but it was this epiphany and it was when I was watching Moulin Rouge and I was like, I've never seen a film like this before. And I was like, there's songs that I know in it. There's Nirvana songs and there's dancing and it's weird. And I kind of was like, who thought of this? And then just had this light bulb moment that someone's job was to think of that. It was someone's job to make those decisions. And I went, oh, I found my calling. And my dad was absolutely heartbroken because up until that point, I'd been saying I wanted to be a lawyer, but I didn't. I just really loved Legally Blonde. <laughs> so, I just love the movie. <laughs> so when I went to be like, I actually don't want to be a lawyer. I just really love the movie Legally Blonde. I want to make movies. Head was in hand, and he has despaired ever since. So yeah. yeah. And now, and, now, and now we're, now we're here. So. And now we're here. So yeah. <laughs> that was great. Well, my next question kind of ties into earliest great minutes because I mean I think where you grew up has a big impact on the trajectory of your life and your inf and an influence in you as a person and stuff. So we can work back down the line this yeah. way this time. So. <laughs> You get back to Sarah, but like, do you remember, like, not do you remember, of course you remember where you're from, but yeah. how is where you're from sort of influenced you in your creative journey, etc.? So I grew up in the kind of border between Knightswood and Yoker, so it was a little bit of a dangerous area. However, I've always been, I thought I was posh growing up, but I wasn't, I was just the poshest person in the scheme. And I didn't realise <laughs> until I got to uni that there was a really huge difference between me and a lot of people who wanted to go into my industry. Mm. So... 
I, I always thought that I was like hyper-privileged and I know compared to a lot of people that I grew up around, I definitely am, but I didn't realise how unprivileged I was until I got to university. Mm. And I was talking about my mum um, having an MS flare up and making some silly decisions and having fun. And then the guy I was living with was like, well, man, my mum's ridiculous. Well, she bought an airplane that doesn't fit in the family hangar. What twat? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, that's the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, relatable, um, yeah. yeah. So relatable. And I was like, <laughs> and I was like, wait, I make you tea? You make me tea? And where, why, buy nicer tea? And uh, yeah, so so I, um, I grew up there and I, it's, it's very funny. I've always kind of been praised a lot for my comedy and my films, and I think I, I do. I work a lot in comedy, but I cannot emphasize I am the least funny person in my family. My family are <laughs> hilarious, and I think there just comes a little bit of the kind of working class pride mm. comes from, like, you know, when things are really bad you tell a bad story by making it funny. So like yeah. there's the, the amount of times that like my granny's had us all in stitches. She's talking about when she got evacuated up the war and get sent up chimneys and we're all greeting like, ha, 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 ha. And sometimes <laughs> it's the funniest story we've ever heard, but that's just how I've always communicated. And um, I think I went, I lost myself a little bit when I was learning how to make films. I thought I had to speak a certain way. I had to be and I had to play in this cohort. But things only really started to go well for me when I started really leaning into where I'm from because no, yeah. it's not that no one else is where I'm from, of course they are, but my kind of voice is marginalised in the wider industry of people who are people who are directing and um, mm. it's really great and it's also really powerful to know, to be able to now identify as an adult when I'm seeing my narratives on screen exploited for a middle-class audience when mm. you're kind of seeing a poverty porn type thing being like yeah, oh look at the deprivation mm. isn't it so deprived and sad <laughs> and i'm like yeah but you are missing half the story which is the ultimate joy that we are able to create in our yeah, communities um so i think where i come from massively impacts it is still something i grapple with because um quite often I meet people or like I form relationships with people, specifically people down south, that then when they get to know me more, they feel comfortable saying, when I first met you, I was really scared of you. <laughs> and what they mean is that they found my accent intimidating. And I'm mm. like, that's very funny because I know my accent right now is extremely rounded out from where it grew up. This yeah. is not what I used to sound like. I have changed and adapted and I struggle with that. So I'm like, I want to sound like me, but yeah. So um, yeah, where I come from massively impacts my work, definitely. Yeah. I think it's so interesting what you're saying about like um, sort of like poverty porn and like that that sort of representation of working class on screen and stuff. I think in Scotland as well, traditionally we either make really deprived like urban sort of things or like it's the Highlands and it's like a horror and it's like the sort of ruralness. And I think we do need to have more sort of comedy that reflects a modern Scotland and and just in the UK in general. Like you know, Um, um, I think Scotland for me. Uh, it's getting a bit more nuanced now, but it used to be up until very recently, there was two versions of Scotland. There was the mm. poverty porn or the shortbread tin, and there yeah, was no exactly. one between, and, and that's Scotland. Yeah, for so sure. I, I hope that there are more yeah, things. And I'm, actually, I'm working on projects that, like, you know, are doing that. There are comedies that are set in in, in Paisley that are, like, you <laughs> know, um, the, my dad worked for Renfrewshire Council his entire life, so I spent most of, like, my childhood mm. being brought to events here as opposed to Glasgow, so I know this city as much as I know Glasgow. Um, so it's it's nice to be working towards that, making more nuanced comedy about these yeah. communities. <laughs> no, it's good. I think we we need more nuanced comedy in general in Scotland as well. Yeah. Um, and across, I mean, when I was at, I worked at STV for two years in development, and you know their slate was very diverse and did represent like a modern Scotland very much. Mm-hmm. But like it's it's also about getting that green light and yes, you know, getting it all across the line. But it's good that there's more people like yourself that are sort of 
working towards that and there's like a new a new generation of talent coming through etc which is really important i'm really um, hopeful i'm hopeful yeah. Um, thank you for your answer. Sonia, do you want to tell, sort of tell us about... Um, yeah, I, I want to pick up... Yeah, of course, go um, for it. Please jump in at any point. No, that's fine. Right. It's just, yeah. just you, uh, mentioning yeah. that people here actually have to change their accents, mm-hmm. the way they speak, and not yeah. to get judged was something when I moved here. It was so alien for me when I first yeah. heard about it. It was somebody I worked with, actually, and, and we went out. Uh, it was a workouting. And he spoke in his own accent. Yeah. It's so weird to say that, his own accent. And I was like, you don't sound like this at work at all. I was like, oh, that's, that's my university accent. And it's like, mm. what? And it's so <laughs> alien to me that somebody feels like they cannot be who they are. Yeah. Because I've not been in Germany for, well, I have been for a long time and things have changed, but this, this poverty porn and, and tin, um, shortbread tin, Mm. Uh, type it doesn't exist we have a huge middle class and and yeah this is where i grew up which spans yeah, uh, a yeah. huge group of people in in germany and i think um that really helped me here as well just mm. for me to be myself um so yeah and, and how germany influenced me i'm quite methodical mm. I, I used to hate to say i'm very typical german and i had to admit it once i moved here yeah. i had to I had to admit it no i am very german um, That's good. In, in, in a lot of ways um but um yeah and it's with with art it, was, it never occurred to me that there's like a job as a photographer i enjoyed photography mm. but it was like yeah, you work in a studio and you photograph people and back then people didn't interest me in my in my photos yeah. it was travel and my background is in travel in, in Germany so we don't have colleges um, we finish school and go either to university or do what's called an apprenticeship yeah so that's you apply for a job with a company and you stay there for three four years depending on mm. what job it is and they teach you so that you basically can run either your own business but you wouldn't work in a bank in Germany without having trained mm. for at least four years mm-hmm. yeah. and you work in this company you get paid mm. um, you go to school either three months a year or, or two days a week yeah. um, and then usually you get employed by this company if you're doing mm. well and it's just it gives a lot of security I, I think that sounds like quite a nice model actually probably. yeah, yeah. I, I really like this and it's it's very hands-on so, so very vocational driven and mm. I didn't know what I wanted to study I had ideas what I was interested in that was always my problem I had loads of interest yeah. but I had to be aware no I'm not don't want to be a psychologist I just want to learn about it <laughs> I don't want to be an architect <laughs> um, but I want to learn about it yeah. um, so for me it was like having traveled with my family that was my interest and I did um, my apprenticeship as a travel agent and travel management wow. And that stuck from with me, that area for for a long, long time, and that's where hold my photography skills as well, traveling, yeah. and then traveling the world and meeting loads of people. So, yeah, I'm, I I grew up very privileged, if not rich, but my parents never bought a house because they wanted to be able to travel. Mm-hmm. We don't have this pressure of um, property ladder in Germany yeah. either, because you know buying a house a, is a tremendously country, yeah, yeah, yeah. expensive so um yeah and, and with my parents my, my dad is an engineer my mum has a, a 
background as a um, holistic pr- practitioner. So I had mm. a very logical dad and a hippie <laughs> mum. And I think... Um, a good combo. Yeah, yeah. I, I think my brother went down the engineering route. Mm. He needs his, his safety. And I'm kind of like the crazy hippie. <laughs> so um, I, I was 35 when I moved here. I yeah. Just really late when people say, it's like, you have to decide so early. Mm-hmm. Um, I always say, don't. You don't have to. No, don't, don't, you don't need to be married yeah. by 25. You don't need to have the, the man or the woman for your life um, at that age. And you don't have to know mm-hmm. what you want to do. But I think here it's easier to jump around in jobs. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is what I really like. It's, in Germany, you, do, like, you learn and then you stick with the companies because that's yeah. the culture. It's like you pride yourself. I've been with this company for 40 years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that, that really helped me here because I went through mm. so many jobs until I decided to go full-time yeah. freelance and do what I love. No, it's such a fascinating answer. There's like so much to unpack and all that. Like, <laughs> Hello, it's Jamie here. You may have heard this advert several times before, but if not, this is basically just me taking a minute to remind you guys that if you're enjoying the podcast, there are a number of things you can do to help us keep growing. Now, as many of you might be aware, the podcasting landscape is incredibly saturated. And I mean, there's lots of podcasts. We all love podcasts. But it's very difficult for independent podcasts like us to sometimes break through and to be noticed. So doing things like sharing us on social media, word of mouth, and just telling friends and family to listen, or even leaving us a little five-star review on places like Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts, go so far in helping us to keep growing. Me and Elliot adore this podcast. We love making this podcast. So if you're able to help in any way by doing something like that, we'd be incredibly grateful, not just for our podcast, but if you love any independent podcast, please try and give them a wee share or give them a review because it it goes so far. Another thing you can do if you enjoy the podcast as well, and we appreciate that this is a very difficult time, but if you're enjoying this podcast and you want to help us, you can donate as little or as much as you like to our Patreon page, and you can do that by going to patreon.com slash justgetarealjob or you can click the link in the show notes anything you can afford we are very grateful for thank you for your continued support and i hope you enjoy the rest of today's episode (laughs) but like what's what i find interesting as well like you sort of the way you talk about germany what what's the like creative industry like in germany is it like quite is it the same as here like is it Quite, like, is it more security? Do they get more funding from the I government? couldn't even say because yeah. it was nothing I looked into really when I was there. Mm. For example, I could, uh, you could not call yourself a professional photographer mm. without either having studied it yeah. or having done an apprenticeship with mm. a state exam at the end. Um, so you're not allowed to call you could be a photographic designer or or something (laughs) but these are protected um, professions by law you're Mm. not allowed to advertise yourself as a as a photographer as such or only certain people can train Mm. other carpenters for example you need to have a master Mm. Uh, which is not like a university master um, but it's people who know how to train other people Um, so it's good in one way, I think, because you so have a certain of, yeah. quality and standard. Mm. Yeah. Um, that's so interesting. Mm. It is, that's isn't it? So yeah. interesting. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I think, so, yeah. yeah. Well, I think a problem here is, like, I think what Sarah kind of touched on this as well, when you're at school and stuff, is like this sort of pressure that you either go to university or college 
and when I was at school, college was kind of looked down upon, like as like oh, a, yeah. it's yeah. like you really need to go to uni and it, like I mean I studied film and I enjoyed it, but like a lot of the jobs that in the sort of TV and film industry you don't actually need a degree to do. You could easily yeah. just leave school and yeah. you go and mm. go and start working on a set, for example. Yeah. So I think we do. No one teaches you about that though, which no, is really annoying. Yeah, they, no they one teaches you that it's far more valid to potentially do like a year learning the basics of everything mm. that goes into TV and then just get on a set. Like yeah. at, from, from being 17, 18, get your driver's license mm. and get on set. But yeah. no one says that. Because one of the biggest regrets I have about university was that I was way too young to go. I had yeah. no life experience. Mm. Yeah. And you're asked to create films. And I was like, but I haven't lived. <laughs> I haven't no, actually got anything to tell the world yeah. yet. And like, at the, at the age of 18, I thought I did. Mm-hmm. But actually looking back, I was like, it would have been yeah. so much more valuable to me if I'd lived a little bit, figured out what mm. message I wanted to bring to the world, where my strengths mm. were, then did this course where I had access oh, to yeah. other enthusiastic people, equipment, like all that focus oh, and yeah. training. Mm-hmm. Like that would have been more valuable to me later in life than it was at 18 years old. I really yeah. wish I wasn't as drunk throughout uni as I was. <laughs> yeah, I, I, wasted too, so yeah. Much, I wasted so much time and there was just yeah. equipment sitting in a cupboard for me. <laughs> I made right. mistakes. I, yeah, I think as well though it's like knowing to even like like I don't know I, my biggest regret is studying film and it was very theory based and I enjoyed it but mm-hmm. like I wish I'd maybe went and got more practical experience and as mm-hmm. you say like more vocation of it I don't think a lot of courses have the no. industry contacts as well and, yeah. and it's yeah. just such a exclusive industry that you have to know it's... people in it because sort of, even when I graduated from my masters I still didn't really know how it all worked Yeah, and it was only by knowing you know what I mean yeah. how how'd you get into it so it's a shame because I went to Stirling which has got the reputation for being the most practical and vocational mm. university course in Scotland and they don't let you touch a camera till third year they're like yeah. you need a two-year basis oh, of theory and I'm like that's nonsense that's it it, but, that nonsense. Is, but that is what it's called what yeah. it's called but it's funny because um, I dropped out of school after fifth year because I remember knowing what I wanted to do knowing the course I wanted to do knowing what I had to get so I went to but you know like I don't know if they still do it but you know that there's columns when you like you have to pick a subject mm. from column a to make sure yeah. your timetable works yeah. so I wasn't allowed to take art drama and media studies Mm. and I was like but this is going to help me specifically because I want to be a filmmaker and they said no you have to do maths and I was like well like I did I got a good grade in maths but it takes me a long time to figure things out and I don't have the time to figure things out I got 11% in my prelim you get 4% for writing your name stop making me take this course (laughs) and they still wouldn't let me do that and they were kind of treating me like a child like I feel like I'm coming to you I know that I am still a child but I'm I feel like I'm coming to you with a solution so I was like don't make me do maths, give me the free periods and I will do my art work in a, in a study mm. classroom so I can make this timetable work and I can do this and they just still said no. So I went, well, if you're not going to give me the education that I need, then I'm going to go to college for a year. And on day one, they put a camera in my hand. And so I was like, well, this is great. So yeah. and I, I wish that, and when I did that, I felt like a failure. I felt like mm. I was making, I felt like I was letting everyone down by dropping out of school before finishing sixth year because yeah. I was quite academic. And I felt like a massive failure. So when I went to college, I was full of shame until they put this camera in my hand. I mean, like, this is exactly yeah. what I was after. Why did I feel bad about this? Why did I feel like I'm glad that I'm glad that it happened that way? Because I might not have, I might not have listened mm. um, and stuck about and done maths and made mistakes. <laughs> I, had a, I, had a very, I had a very similar thing. I wasn't allowed to take advanced higher drama because there wasn't enough people that wanted to do the course. So they just didn't let us run it. And. I had, to, I, very, I had to take business in six years. I'm Why? not interested in business, to be honest. Mexico so still didn't even offer drama or media it just, studies. It, so it was often, the bare yeah. essentials. And yeah. similarly, you couldn't pick music and art. 
because they're in the same column. Mm-hmm. You, so you were only allowed to be one of those things. And I was yeah. like, most people who are arty are also musical and creative yeah. in other ways. Yeah. <laughs> this doesn't no, make it's sense. A, it's a big problem. Yeah. Um, Ash, I, w- I wanted to move on to you and ask about where you're from as well. Like, do you, How has that influenced you as a creative person? Well, first of all, thank you for this free therapy session. <laughs> this, all, this always happens on the podcast. <laughs> I'm going to indulge. We're doing some live therapy in front of But yeah, actually, super similarly, um, I grew up in the middle of nowhere in Ayrshire in a council house and nobody in my family had gone to university before me and I never realised how much that would impact the choices that you make and the pressure that you feel to do something bigger and better than everyone before you and my parents were very easygoing, you know, despite their worries when I came to them and said I'm leaving school and I'm going to study media, they were like, okay, (laughs) you do what you want to do. But I always felt, despite us not having a lot, very inspired by the people around me. And um, in particular, my grandpa was a very creative person who, if he was inspired to do something, would turn his hand to it and see if he could. And so that gave me a sort of like delusion growing up that like (laughs) people can do whatever they want. And I have ridden that my entire life. (laughs) I'm one of those people who has the audacity to think they can do anything that they want. (laughs) Even if I can't, I'll try. (laughs) And I don't know if that's because of the people around me, maybe the circumstance as well. Living in a village of like a really small population and nothing to do. I just always felt like, yeah, when I grow up, I'll get out of here and I'll go and do what I want to do with my life. So there was always this drive to do more and to do better. Sometimes that culminated in a bit of pressure, like I said, about uni and kind of rushing into things and maybe then just not having someone to give you any advice. Mm. There's no one in the family that's been through that before. So they're just like, yeah, go to uni, this will be great. But I think from everything that I've done uh, towards my career, um, although now I have the perspective of maybe it could have been better, I would have done things differently. Everything's fallen into place. And you wouldn't be where you are now. Exactly, so, um, exactly. So it has been a good journey. And I think um, where I was from uh, motivated me in that sense because mm-hmm. I felt like I, I had to get out of the place that I lived in and fight a little bit harder to, you know, like get myself to Glasgow and um, put myself in the space where creative things were happening. Yeah. And then similarly talking about language and culture most of my family are very broadly Scottish. (laughs) And I internalized from a young age that if I wanted to be respected and understood that I had to drop that. Mm -hmm. And it's really sad because I see videos of myself when I was younger and I have such a different accent. I'm so broad and I roll all my R's and I sound like a different (laughs) little kid. But somewhere subconsciously growing up, I knew I had to drop that. And I've unpacked it quite a lot as an adult because I just think it's such a shame that we felt that that yeah. you've got to step away from a part of your identity in order to mm. go a bit further. And it does annoy me sometimes when I meet international people and they're like, you don't really sound Scottish. I'm like, well, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Hold up. <laughs> yeah. No, I think it is very sad. And I think, but being in, like, working in, like, to the TV and film industry, I know aspects of the creative industry, so there'll be a lot of people listening that maybe are an artist or do other things and stuff, but I do think often it is quite a middle-class space. So subconsciously you're behaving in a way that you don't maybe realise that you are. Um, even if, I mean, I feel like I've tried to always lean into my Scottishness and like when I, you know, to become a scripter, I was just like very like, I want to work in Scotland, I want to stay in Scotland to be part of this industry here. So I've always used that as a sort of extra booster, but like then subconsciously you probably are toning that down slightly in certain meetings and certain, I think it's getting a lot better now. I think yeah. it's not really seen as a problem, but I think it, as you say, it's a subconscious thing. Yeah, and it's a class awesome. thing as well. I think class is the one area of the industry that's not talked about at all, mm-hmm. to be honest. We still don't talk about what can we do to improve the class divide in the industry because 
at the end of the day, if you don't have money, then it's very hard to make a career in this industry, as you all know, as like freelancers and doing different projects at different times and stuff. Yeah, one of the most difficult mm. parts is that leap of faith where, you know, you don't have a safety net, yeah. but you can't do the day job anymore and <laughs> you really need to make this work. So our yeah. layer job comes up and it's like, yeah, for the next three months, you can do your dream career, exactly what you want to be doing. But I would always have that thought in the back of my head, oh, but at the end of the three months, then you won't have a job and you can't pay the event or your car and all these responsibilities that you have. So that was also something that uh, when I was a lot younger, I just wasn't prepared for and couldn't Mm. take on board. So it took such a long time and accumulation and getting to know people and building up a network and a safety net also in order to be able to do that too. Whereas that could be something that you could step into if you come Mm. from a background that you can afford it. Yeah, it's a it's a complicated one, but I'm really glad for the journey. Yeah, I think uh, it's shaped me. <laughs> no, what's what's always really nice, especially having the three of you on the podcast at once, and having you know done had over like a hundred episodes and stuff. So everyone's path's different. So there's not a right path in this industry. I said to young when I. I try to sort of like give people advice that are coming up and stuff because I think it's important to hold the door from behind you. Yes. Um, and like, you, but you're always saying to people, there's no right path because, like, as you know, we'd all had a different way into this and we all do slightly different things. And as a lot of you also know, you'll do different things, which I've got a question about very soon about how, like, you can, you know, doing an animation, being an editor, you know, doing all this different stuff to sort of diversify, I think is so important. But a bit of a funner question for you all, um, maybe less therapy like, um, <laughs> but I, I wondered if you all have like a favourite word or phrase from where you're from oh, that you like to share. Um, who wants to go first? You, do you want to go first? Actually, I, so I, got as a good soon one. as I read that question, I knew. There's a word in Ayrshire, it's <laughs> called Hanek. Does anybody in the room know Hanek? No. Oh my no. God, Gary, I'm surprised. <laughs> 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 okay, so Hanek is like the German word Schadenfreude. Oh. Oh, yes. <laughs> we have to translate it for and you. I thought we were the only ones so it's, oh my god it, it probably tells you a lot about people in that area but it's where you take a bit of pleasure in someone else's misery mm. so if someone fell over or something unfortunate happened you go oh Hanek and it honestly oh, just is this expression of glee that someone else's life is a little bit worse than yours for a moment <laughs> and it's horrible but it's also really funny and we all use it in a really silly way like you don't really you know you're not going to hanek someone who tells you the really sincerely bad news no. but you will hanek somebody because they dropped their drink on the floor <laughs> or they did something Love daft it. yeah it's really really funny so yeah i knew straight away i was like that's the one. One of my <laughs> one of my friends has Hanek tattooed on her leg. That's, That's a good tattoo to get. Yeah. So amazing. I'm excited for you and Sonia. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm amazed that because the word Schadenfreude is just like there's no no language has a word for it. But we've got see, one. Every day is we a made it. Yeah. Well, actually, um, I lived in in Cologne and Cologne uh, before I moved to mm. Scotland, and they have a saying. And it's probably if anybody ever, I hope no people from Cologne are listening to this because my <laughs> Kölsch accent is, or dialect is a proper dialect. They have completely different words. Um, <laughs> as it could be, it could, and I have not in my yacht, younger. So translate is like, it comes how it comes and mm. it will turn out fine every single time. Good, yeah. And I do really like it. There's certain things in life you don't have any control over. Yeah. And we're all as freelancers, like, Holy shit! How am I gonna pay my rent mm. next yep. <laughs> next yeah, month? That's a good one. Yeah. But my experience is, even though I lost sleep over money and things, like that, it's just um, no, it'll always turn out fine. It's yeah. fine. Um, yeah, yeah, and that's something I think about a lot. 
I have a very similar one, which might be the Scottish sort of version, which my grandma used to say, which is like, what's for you won't go by you. Yes. Which again, yeah. I've just toned down from Scots and there you go, I it's know. a live example. <laughs> so I've not I, said it in a proper Scottish way, but... I named one of my films that. Um, great we name had for a great film. debate about whether, well, yeah. like, we just we just went with the first half, what's for you, and we had great debate over whether we should say it in English or in Scots. Mm. We settled in the Scots, and I'm glad yeah, we did so that. A good, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm being friendly to the international listeners. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, that's a good one. Say do I you have really one? struggled with this one because I've kind of got so many phrases, but the problem mm. is the phrases are all from my granny and I thought they were normal phrases, <laughs> but they're not. They're just my granny phrases. Love so it. at one point when she says she's really nervous, she, like it's just at one point I was really nervous. It was before an exam, I went, oh, my arse is knitting jumpers. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone just looked at me like, what? Was like, I think <laughs> my favourite one is, does everyone know the little song Daisy Daisy? So Daisy Daisy, give me your answer do. It won't be a stylish marriage. I can't afford a carriage. Does anyone know that song? It's like an old song. Um, I got taught different words and I thought it was the song and I didn't realise I got taught different words until, um, well, I knew that I actually sang it when I was in school because someone said, does anyone know the song? We're teaching this song. And I went, oh, I know it. And I was the only one in class and I sung it. But the teachers, to be fair, didn't say anything. It goes, well, we're going to sing different words. I went, all right, okay, there's different words to that song. And it wasn't until it was like 20 years later that I realised that my version goes... Daisy, Daisy, where do you make it at? Upset the table and nearly killed the cat. The cat began to bubble, so I hit it with a shovel. It went to bed with a broken head and a face like a kangaroo. <laughs> that is, that's, that's my childhood. Alternate lyrics to things that I think are the real thing. <laughs> Just being gaslit by my granny. <laughs> No, that's great that's awesome. a nice little, little song on a Sunday morning as well. we'll get everyone joining in soon it'll be, it'll be going around your heads now yeah. uh, Sonia do you actually have a word from living in Scotland for the last like sort of 10 years or so that, you'd, that you really like as well I like swearing in Scottish you can swear all you want yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I like because where I grew up in Vopata, um, it's a very very wet place as well we always joke we get born with an umbrella oh so um yeah and i like the word brich. it just rolls nicely that's a nice word, yeah. Yes. Or drink it yeah that's actually one of my favorite words it's it a, is a good, good one as well yeah i know it so suits what you're describing yeah. yes. yes they took that concept and made it into a noise i like yeah. that <laughs> yeah it was a very good word there you go, that was part one of our live special from the HP Film Festival. Thank you to Sonia, Ashley and Sarah for coming on and chatting to us there. Thank you to the HB Film Festival for having us. Part two, of course, will be out next week. We get into some really insightful stuff in that episode. You know what was lovely about doing this in front of an audience, as, as always, but particularly because the audience was very much made up of creatives and filmmakers and people that are coming from similar interests and areas. It was really nice to see how much this sort of resonated with the people in the crowd. They really related to a lot of the conversations we were having, which is always nice to, to see that we're resonating and that what we're talking about is topical and relevant. So thank you to everyone that came along. As always, please share the podcast, tell people to listen if you think they'll enjoy it, recommend it to friends and family, and yeah, leave us a review and all the usual stuff we say every week, but massive thank you to Elliot for editing this podcast as always. Thank you to Amanda Dowd for taking pictures for us on the day of this recording as well. Another thing I should actually quickly add as well is if you're a relatively new listener, because I've noticed we've had quite a lot of new followers and new listeners coming along, which is amazing, we've of course got a massive back catalogue now, over 117 episodes to date. Be sure to go back 
into that and have a look. Some amazing conversations, even though some of them were recorded a good while ago, they're still very relevant, packed full of amazing, insightful information from a variety of different people. But yeah, you should have a look at that. But we'll be back again next week. Just get a real.